The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me. And I'm so excited today. I have a really special, exciting guest. I have Sarah Nicole Landry, who is a body confidence activist and host of the Papaya Podcast. She's a mother and a badass inspiration whose message and story has really resonated with me. Hi. Thank you so much. Girl, I'm so stoked for this. I'm so glad we're doing this. I'm so new to this. Hey, new is like where it's at. I had like the worst imposter syndrome with starting a podcast. And I only started <laughs> last year. And I was like, maybe I'll just like fake my way through this. And I'm like a year later and I was like, I'm still doing it. So you never know. Well, good. You can break me in. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I've been getting to know you just through like mm-hmm. your podcast and through your social media. And it's like been so uplifting and amazing and inspiring because I've just been trying to put more of like positive, amazing women in front of my face lately, especially mm-hmm. with bad information out there and bad influence out there. And just I want to just see some like amazing women who are just like more of like what I aspire to be. So I thank you. For being a a bright shining light out there, especially right now in like quarantine. It's just like it's just what I need to just carry me through. So your story really begins, what, five, six years ago? Something closer to that. I mean, I began blogging like 12 years ago. It was atrocious. That's why it's called the Burt's Papaya, because at the time it was really cute to have like a mom blog that had a cute name. And so I was like, well, I'll name it after my daughter's nickname. So Gemma Birdie, Maya Papaya. And so cute. like you with your handle, you just, it's there forever. Thank goodness that we didn't have Instagram when I was like 16 though. And I would have to like relive the days of like my original email address. Like we should never have to be defined by those things. But the Birds Papaya ended up being a really fun name and I've loved being able to carry it now. But I kind of started just like wanting to connect. Like I just was so lonely being a stay-at-home mom. I was a really young mom got married at 19. And then oh, I had wow. three kids by the time I was 25. So I was like really just struggling in that space of wanting community. And I found bloggers were like, it was like this way to like a window into their world. And it was just a way to not feel so alone. So you can imagine how excited I was when Instagram came about. Oh yeah. <laughs> but Instagram brought about a totally different kind of way that we connected with people because it was no longer just like about what crafts you were making and what food you were baking and like what your home looked like. We were seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being like, I'm not okay with this. I'm actually really intimidated by this. And I would only ever really show my face. I was always hiding behind my children, like positioning myself. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go on this weight loss journey and I'm going to like do it this time. I mean, I yo-yo dieted since I was 12, like legitimately 12. Wow. And, uh, I was like, I'm, I was 225 pounds three times postpartum. I was like, I'm doing this. This is what I'm going to do. And I just had no information and access to proper education. So I downloaded an app that told me to eat a thousand calories a day. (gasps) Wow. 
Don't ever do that. Everybody listening, it's literally what a toddler should eat. It's not even what a toddler should eat. But that's what the app told me I could have. And it also told me to like exercise a lot. So I was like exercising and I was like, no days off. If I give a day off, that's an excuse. And if I have a cheat day, like any relationship you shouldn't be cheating on. So like, I will not cheat. So I was in it. And so I didn't tell anybody about it. I did it really privately. About 40 pounds in, obviously the internet started to really notice and really compliment me. I mean, like when we see somebody that's lost weight, we immediately, that's that's our instinct is like, great job. Like, congratulations. Zero information on how I was doing it. But all I heard was, oh my gosh, like, this is great. I've been working in this space, always trying to grow my blog, always trying to do these things. And suddenly I was like getting attention. So I was like, fantastic. This is what I'm going to do. So I started sharing my weight loss journey and then it just became an addiction because now it wasn't about anything else in my life and my family being perfect or anything like that. It was like my body was the performance track. That was going to be the thing. And so I ended up losing a hundred pounds. Wow. And then I lost a little bit more and I ended up going down to a size zero. I'm five, eight. So I was 114 pounds. I was extremely disordered in my eating, but had no idea. I was doing things like I was getting asked to be a part of all these different things. I was getting all this popularity and growing all this stuff. And then it was like this awful realization that I actually had more anxiety around my body than I ever did when I existed in a bigger body. Maybe I could shop in regular stores now and I had all this acceptance, but like I didn't have that acceptance. I was actually really not okay. And not only that, but like eventually my whole world bottomed out. I'm now you know, going through a divorce after 11 years. I move in with my mom and dad at age 30. I've got this social media following who's kind of watching on the sidelines of all of this, and I'm trying to keep it all a secret. And I'm so low in weight. I don't even know how I can keep performing with my body without now going into an entirely different story, which would be a lot of surgeries and a lot of repair. And I was just, honestly, I was exhausted. I was just done. I was exhausted. And I knew that I was lying. I knew that I was, or that I had been lying. I didn't, I don't think I intentionally meant to, but I think that it came to the point where I realized that what I was telling people was not factual. It was not safe and healthy at all. My healthy living was, was so far from it. So I ended up completely changing my content around and had to so uncomfortably learn what it's like to gain weight after you've been in a weight loss for so long, because that's actually what's healthy for your body too. Sometimes when you're actually nourishing your body and like exercising in like proper ways, my Instagram kind of just became this journal of like that change and that, that, um, existing in my body and through a series of events kind of realized that when I shared these things, like especially things like my stretch marks, I've really pronounced stretch marks from my children and I'd never seen another woman with them. But when I did show up with them, I got to understand that I wasn't alone. And so when you understand that you're not alone, suddenly stop thinking about it so much. So in all of those efforts, I kind of got to stop being so obsessed with my body and, and just exist beyond it a little bit more. And I'm not done yet, (laughs) but that's kind of what happened. So in the end of 2018, I finally quit my job. I had about 80,000 followers at the time. So it was quite a career accomplishment to be able to do that after like being a single mom, working two jobs. Suddenly my life is like 
holy crap, after all of this, I've now found a man who is like amazing. We're getting, we got married. I had a great career job, but I was now getting the chance to work for myself. And I was like, I went for it. I had 80,000 followers. By the end of the next year, I was just shy of a million. And this year I hit a million in February and now sit at 1.3. So it just goes to show that when you like <laughs> live your truth, things right. can work out. Yeah. Oh my God, that's incredible. It's a wild little ride. <laughs> I know, I know. But like, that's just like inspiring AF, to be honest. Yeah. But, but like the one thing that you talk about that I only just really learned about a term or became familiar with, but actually realized that I was, you know, guilty of myself was this whole disordered eating. And I don't think mm-hmm. many people understand what it is. And mm-hmm. can you explain what that is in your own words? I mean, it's interesting because I was always like, no, I don't have an eating disorder. No, I don't have any disorder. Because my sister was a 10-year anorexia bulimia recovery. So I was like, I'm not like that at all. Like, I'm just counting my calories. Yeah. And I'm just like doing all these things. That's that's not what I'm doing. But when I heard the words reversed and it said disordered eating, I was like, I've never had a normal relationship with food. All of my food has been so either it went from like emotional binge eating or it went down to like, I need to restrict myself. I I think it came down to the fact that I had created moral values around food. There was good food yeah. and there was bad food. There was a moral value. Salad was a good food. Salad dressing was a bad food. So you had to have it on the side. Pizza was a bad food. Can't have that. Like all of these things were good and bad. Birthday cake, sorry, off the list. I don't cheat on myself. So no, no birthday cake. It was a morally bad food. And the thing that kind of happens over time is, and they talk about this with kids. If you, if you give kids, you know, a little bit of sugar with their meals, they actually regulate what it is because they're like, oh, it's not a bad food. It's not a good food. It's just part of my meal they stop asking for it so much. They stop craving it so much. It stops becoming like this obsession. I would say like really check out the NEDA website to learn a lot more about disordered eating and stuff because like I don't want to over educate people with wrong information. But mine was, was definitely in the fact that by the end of my weight loss journey, I knew the calories in every single food and I was doing the math in my head every single moment of the day. And I, that's an obsession. Right. I was weighing myself every morning, if not three times a day. So break, I had to get rid of the scale in my house. I faced backwards at the doctor's office because you can start to notice certain things. Like if you step on the scale and you weigh more and it actually changes your mood and the way you behave and who you are, it's like robbing you of something. It just really takes away from like a lot of opportunity to kind of determine that for yourself. It's like this, this morally deciding factor in your life, like the good and the bad. And I think a lot of us right now, especially in the response to being in quarantine, our bodies are responding to stress. They're responding to like the sedentary life that we now all exist in. You could run 10 miles a day and it might not be as much as what you did even like working in a serving job. You know, like (laughs) when I went from serving to an office job, like it was a huge shock to my body, but our bodies are responding in stress and we can't create moral goodness or badness around how our bodies are responding, especially in a time like a pandemic. So I think it starts to get easier to identify if you maybe have disordered eating based on your thoughts and behaviors around food 
and the way you eat. The first time I heard that was actually when I watched the the Taylor Swift documentary. Yes. I was just like, wasn't that so good? Though? It was so good. I was just like, so wow. Good. Like I, because I've been there. I've I've been there when I was, you know, younger and then recently in the last, you know, five years of my life of just, you know, fad diets or or desperately just trying to like watch what I eat and obsessing, obsessing over things and, 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 and yeah, adding moral value to food, restricting myself of things and just having that bad relationship with food. And I didn't want that anymore. I didn't want to punish myself. And I just feel like diets are created and set up for failure. They actually are. There's statistically, I've done so much work because my sister said to me once, like, why, why is like diet, like some people can diet and it's like totally fine. And I was like, I could gamble and it would be totally fine. But the actual stats around it is 95% of diets fail. So 95%, it is not going to have the results that maybe you initially have. Well, 95% will gain it back. But the risk factor is 25 to 35% will end up with disordered eating or an eating disorder. Right. So imagine going for something being like 95% failure rate <laughs> and up to 35% chance of like risk. And you're like, let's take that gamble. Like that, but this is literally what we're being marketed every single day of our lives is this is this concept of these diets over and over and over these diets. These aren't like, and dieting in the way of like diet culture is very different from the way of like, hey, I know that like if I eat gluten, I break out in a rash. That's not me dieting. That's me like honoring my body a bit, right? So there's a fine line between, you know, educating yourself and what, you know, is what kind of foods you should be eating. Like mm-hmm. when I when I finally looked into my health because, you know, I started gaining weight rapidly in the last mm-hmm. year. And I was like, this is this is kind of alarming and I think I need to go get things checked. And I thought maybe thyroid issue and then testosterone is kind of high. It could be PCOS. So I had, you know, blood work done and ultrasound done and all this. And then it was just like glucose is like kind of high up there. And so then it was just like, okay, well, we got to get your weight down because glucose is high. And I just was like fearing like mm-hmm. diabetes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I was just like, you know what? Like I need to get with a nutritionist because I need to find out about nutrition. I need to find out Mm -hmm. about exactly how my body is using food for energy, how it's metabolizing foods, like what kinds of foods I should be eating and then the combinations of foods and like, but not obsessive way. And so I did find a nutritionist. It's common sense eating. It's not about restriction. Like I can literally eat anything I want because I know, I know how to eat. I have all the information. I know exactly, like I'm not scared of foods. It's not, there's, there's no more like, this is a bad food. I mean, like, yeah, like there's common sense to like eating still. Like if you're going to eat cake every day, then, you know, that's going to, you know, what's going to happen. But I don't fear that anymore. And I think now I just, I've educated myself on nutrition and I know exactly like what different kind of vegetables are, you know, different kinds of carbs and starches and like how I should be, you know, pairing things. And it's just, it's just a different kind of approach. Yeah. It's such a different mindset. And that's why those people are so great because like, if you can have access to them, they're amazing resources. That's literally what they went to school for to learn is to like how to bounce that. Cause I was the same as you. I remember last year, I I didn't, I, I don't weigh myself, but I remember like 
I could tell I had gained a certain amount of weight. And I was like, that happened rapidly. And I went to naturopath and we we ran the gamut of tests and turned out that it was like a hormonal disruption. It was like a completely something. And like, I had to start eating to, you know, encourage my hormones. So I had to like increase my fats. I had to increase. And I was like, it's so weird, like eating with intention, yeah. but not calculating the calories, not weighing yourself. Like it's actually measured on like an entirely different side of things. And I was, I was really blown away at like the difference of approach. And it became really clear to me, like these fast marketed things that were sold. Like if you just do this, like let's be real, like the teas that literally give you diarrhea, (laughs) these are out there to give you these fast results. But the lasting stuff really comes from like that access to that proper information in a much more safer environment. Going to be for lifetime though. I would rather have be set up for life and mm-hmm. know that, you know, this is wealth of knowledge that's going to last me a lifetime than something that's going to last me a weekend. Yeah, 100%. Or all this work for like the post-quarantine body and the summer body. I'm like, no, no, we're surviving a pandemic right now. That's the goal. <laughs> Exa- exactly. Just want to like encourage people that if they feel that they want to make a change, mm-hmm. that they should really look into something that's going to be a mindset change and not just yes. something that's going to be a quick fix. 100% agree. And also like maybe, you know, change the things that you're looking at too. The opportunity we have to change our social media, like the fact that we literally have unfollow buttons for accounts that make us feel like crap. Exactly. We should probably do that. Like you can mute somebody if you want to offend them. Like (laughs) so many options that we have for ourselves to like create those boundaries and protect ourselves. Well, and especially when you start seeing like people that are really like normalizing normal bodies and not trying Mm -hmm. to normalize bodies that really aren't, you know, everyone, they have free agency over their body. And if they want to go and do whatever they want to do, they can do whatever they want to do. That's like, they are free to do that. But I think with, when people can see themselves represented Mm -hmm. on social media in a way that is, you know, just like those others, you know, I'm not going to call out anybody, but um, I think that is, so healthy for the mind. And that's something that I really try to do is just like look for, you know, more influential people. Yeah. Even people like I'm obsessed with Demi Lovato right now because like this woman has just come out of like her eating disorder. She's come out of like rehab and she's just like owning that story and that journey. And I'm just like connecting with her. Like I'm so inspired by her because like at the same time, like I love this saying like, your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And I'm like, you look at somebody and you're like, look how much healing she's gone through. Imagine we've reduced that to like, oh, but you gained weight. Therefore you're a failure in life. Like she is so successful. It is so incredible to watch somebody go through that and own her body and her healing. And it's, it's so remarkably beautiful. It's, it's refreshing though. I love it. I just feel like I don't know why, especially with women, you know, our bodies become the focal point and the mm-hmm. the, the topic of conversation. And I know for you, like, you know, you wanted to put your journey out there and you were doing, you know, your side-by-side transformation pictures. Mm-hmm. And like, that was something that you were getting maybe like an instant gratification and sort of validation from inside and behind all of that, you were going through something much bigger and greater that no one knew about. Yeah. So, so yeah. when you were getting positive comments and the support, what did that do for you to help you or did it at all? It did because it reinforced what I was doing. It was telling me I was doing a good job. And when I look back on my weight loss journey, because I never really felt comfortable and safe or okay with my body, 
every little joy bit that I found in it was always about the fact that I was feeling accepted by society. I was being rewarded for doing a better job. I was being rewarded for being able to fit into straight sizes. It was like, welcome. You're finally here. Like, thanks for coming. We've been waiting for you. Like, you're no longer on the sidelines of society. We now welcome you into the rest of it. That's all I felt. It was just validation and acceptance. It was nothing to do really with my body, but that was what I was being reduced to was being accepted by society for my body now. So it really kind of messed me up, especially when after my divorce and I had lost, like through that stress, I lost that extra weight. And I knew that I had to regain, try gaining weight, like on social media and see how silent the world gets because they don't know what to say. There's no congratulations there. And even then, like the fact is like every single one of those congratulations were so well-intended they just didn't know what I was actually doing to achieve it because it was it was easy for me to conceptualize that as being a health journey and not realizing that it was really disordered in its methods. And at the end of the day, I was still, still these stretch marks, still had all this cellulite, now had this loose skin. It was just like, crap, how do I hide all of this? So, you know, it, it just put me down this road of like, okay, now I got a face tune. I've got to like make it real perfect because I just want to still be accepted. I just want to still be loved. Don't kick me out. Like don't kick me out of the society that I've worked so hard to now be a part of. You know, it was exhausting. It was exhausting feeling like I had to just continue to do whatever I needed to, to be accepted by the world. But that's that's literally what it's reinforcing and what happens when we do compliment. I would say without consent. If somebody said like, oh, I've really been working on, you know, my weight loss or, you know, I've been on this health journey and you can be like, you know what? I've really noticed that you, you are looking really strong. You're looking really like you've got this glow with you. Like there's other things we can say or like out of quarantine, the fact that like so many people have so, so much anxiety about stepping back into the real world. How can we reshift it to the first compliments we give our friends being like, just so happy to be able to look in your eyes again. I'm so happy to see your smile. It's just so nice to hug you. Like, what are the things we can say? Be like, oh my gosh, girl, you look snatched out of quarantine. We have no idea what she went through in quarantine. We have no idea what's gone on for her. So just knowing now being in that part of it and realizing how much that overvalidation can actually reinforce the illness itself. I'm just very cautionary on complimenting weight loss or or weight at all, or just not even, I just don't even make it in my line of commentary anymore really important. I think, I think just everyone should, I don't want to tell what people should, should do, but I just think that's important for everyone to hear and know, because Mm -hmm. I know for me going through like gaining weight publicly, like I have on the show and everything and people commenting on it and having my body be a topic of conversation for so long and trying to remain positive through all that and try to like feel comfortable in my skin just because I had to. I had like because I had to step out and in front of a camera or go to events and just put a smile on my face. So I had no choice but to just find comfort in this. And so, but even now, that like I have, you know, been you know lost some weight and stuff. I just, I don't want to hear about it now. Even still, I'm just like it's still like something. I just that's my body's still just not a conversation. Yeah. I mean, you've got much more interesting things going on than what your body looks like. When you wanted to start being honest about what was really going on and start being honest about, you know, the realness that was happening, the stretch marks, the cellulite, the every, the, you know, just the real body shit. Was there a fear that people wouldn't be supportive or that people would 
think that you were oh, yeah. like a fraud and and how was that received? <laughs> I love being my own hypocrite. I, I left up all of those old posts for reasons. I love being able to see my own hypocrisy and kind of come through that journey. I think that it's so amazing when you get to see an evolution of a person and, and be welcoming to change. And I've had to give myself a lot of grace for that. I mean, I literally have old posts where I'm like, if only that old girl could like put down the fork. Like I actually fat shamed myself in like a motivation for other people. Like it's just, it was really backwards. So definitely don't, like, I don't love that I did those things, but I also love that I got through those things and that I learned from them. I don't know that I would have the voice that I have now if I hadn't had that, that journey so imperfectly. Right. And those first posts of sharing, I mean, they were not easy. I would like you're, when you become so conditioned to be like, I need to be palatable. And I always try to remember that, like when you feel like you're not palatable for the world, it's a really hard thing to serve that dish. I just started creating some different boundaries. Like I'd step away from my phone for like an hour. I, I recognized a bit of like, there's a thing that happens in our brain where, you know, fear and excitement register as the exact same thing. And so it's kind of like that top of the roller coaster feeling when you're about to go down and you're scared shitless and you're also just like so excited. It's kind of like that. You know, this is like, it's not an inherently good feeling to share these images, but you feel like maybe it's important. So it's like that fear and excitement are existing together. And so you just do it. And when I had initially done it, like there wasn't a lot of that out there. So, you know, I know it's a lot more mainstream now, but at the time it wasn't. So I wasn't even, I hadn't even seen women like me yet. So it was really weird to step my toes out into something that I was just very new at even for myself. But the results of that, I mean, I definitely went stagnant. I lost a lot of people from the weight loss community as soon as I started gaining weight even a little bit or stopped talking about my weight loss because they just saw it as me falling off the wagon instead of falling into my truth. And what I didn't anticipate though was the other side of it was the people who were waiting for this kind of a message, people who needed it and that overwhelming support. And what I learned was when I started to create from a really vulnerable space, I would, I would write myself emails like really late at night or make notes in my phone, just really try and capture the moments that I was feeling really awful or really good, or just working through a lot of these body issues. So I started actually creating my captions first, and then I would find an image to go with them. And what I discovered was when people really connect with your work in that really raw, authentic moment, what do they do? They share it because it feels like them. It feels like we did this together. And, and I love that. I love that. That's kind of what has built. This is the fact that I got so real with myself. My, my therapist used to call me a sponge. She said, I only sponge people's opinions. So I had to like work to like learn my own. And because I was becoming so self-aware and creating from that place, suddenly my content was just connecting with people. And it went from that stagnant place of like, what the heck is she doing? Changing her mind to, oh my gosh, this is the feelings I've had my whole life. And I've never, I've never took time with and as they shared, my account would grow and I would reach new people. And this just, it just kind of went like that. So it's literally been built up by the community that related, who felt connected to that work. I love it. I connect to it. <laughs> Thanks. It feels like such a breath of fresh air because I'm tired of the curated, the mm. overly like face tune. I just, I don't, 
I don't buy it anymore. So I want to I want to see more real representation and more honesty and people connecting with their truth. And, you know, yeah, it's when we're ready for it. You know, for me, it's like a daily sort of with my relationship with myself, with my body. It's like I mm-hmm. I have to work at it like every day, like like anything. It's like, you know, you got to like nurture it. So and I feel like you're someone who has like a pretty like amazing relationship with yourself and you know you've connected nicely with that so what is what do you do every day or what what is like a nice practice that you could share that um, you would recommend honestly the biggest one for me is being aware of my thoughts I think once we are willing to listen to that we can honor them a lot more we can see where they're being triggered we can see like even if you've all of a sudden like are feeling really crappy about your body you're like what just happened can we rewind let's peel back this onion what did I see on social media what did I see on television what conversation did I have you can start to like target those things and recognize where some of this hate is stemming from. And I got to be really honest because I think a lot of times when we talk about confidence and, you know, feeling good about yourself and positivity, it sounds like such an unachievable thing because we've been conditioned to hate ourselves. That's what the most profitable thing is for the world is when Mm -hmm. we don't like ourselves and we need to fix everything. So it's a, it's a deep unlearning to suddenly go back to who you were before that conditioning began. So most of the time it's neutral. Like it's literally, you set the car in neutral and you're just like, I don't love my body. I don't hate my body, but here's what I can do. I can act in love because you know, you're in a long-term relationship. Love is like, we expect it always to be like this overwhelming feeling, like that feeling we had in the beginning weeks. That's not love. Like that's infatuation. And that's like emotional ties to that. But love is an action. It's genuinely a showing up and a caring and an intentionality. But we expect still for our own bodies going to have the feeling. We want the feeling. Mm -hmm. We just want to love our bodies. We don't recognize that true loving relationships with ourselves comes down to an action. It's an action word. It's a showing up. It's an intentionality. For me, it's like, I, I love to exercise and I don't even worry about the calories of it anymore. How many it shows I've burned. I love it because even though when I get on it, I never want to do it. I've never loved exercise. I get on and I'm like, I want nothing to do with this. When I get off, I'm a different person. My mental health is changed. I feel something different. There's a shift in me. I have a pride about me. When I eat a meal that I know has like nourished my body, I can feel that. You can feel the difference. And, And I think that's why a lot of people struggle in like January after the holidays and they get so confused about their bodies and how they feel about it. And they're like these New Year's resolution cravings. The fact is you went from overindulging in things, which is not bad to do. Enjoy your holidays, enjoy those memories, like make them. But we, we have these moments where we indulge so much that we forget that our bodies respond in that way. So it's just a matter of how can I love myself in a new way this day? And I think what ends up happening is you just start being a lot more intentional with yourself and stop demanding the feeling. And I think that's been big for me is like, I don't love my body. I don't hate it. My biggest thing is like, I want to exist in it though. And I want to live beyond it. I want to show up in my children's memories. I want to be a part of like an intimate relationship with my husband without wearing a t-shirt in bed and like walking backwards out of the room because I don't want him to see my butt. Like, what? Are we kidding right now? Like, so, and this is such a common thing. You say it and everyone's like, oh, been there. Like we, we all do it. We all do it. So 
instead of being like, I want to get to a place where I feel so confident about my body that I'm like so confident to do all these things, recognize that it's, it's actually in thinking about your body less. How can we think about our body less? How can we love it with intention and not with expectation? That's the longest answer I've ever given for what should have been a really short answer, but hey. No, I no, I love that. And I think where I start with that too is just being like kind to myself mm-hmm. too. And like not… Like sometimes if it, if it's if it's working out and like if you're just not feeling it, don't do it, you know? Yeah. Honor that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, it's always like you're never going to like feel like doing it. But if like if you're not feeling it, just give yourself a break, you know? just And that's also healthy, right? Like that's also health. And I think that we need to recognize that too. Yeah. No, I love… No, I loved everything that you just said so much. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, that was perfect. No, I think it's just, it's like everything I needed to like hear today too. I mean, oh yes. Okay. Well, so I like to end my episodes with a little segment called the rage text of the day. (laughs) We go, we go from like, yeah, we'll go from all this little positivity to a little bit of rage. So it's just like a little healthy cathartic exercise to just, um, you know, get out some… <laughs> aggression on something petty. What am I going to rage on? It could be something inanimate, something, you know, just out there in the world, just something that you, you know, just You know, I want. do. I know exactly what, what I want to rage it? on. I want to rage on vinyl seating in the summertime. <laughs> I don't care who you are and what you do, but that feeling and the thing that we all know exists, the fact that our asses and legs were always stick to those seats why are they still happening? Why are we still being victimized by vinyl seating in the summertime? Amen. That would be my rage text. I love that. Screw you, vinyl seating. Yeah, get out of here. It's ruining our summer. <laughs> my rage text of the day is, well, I mean, it's not so much to cancel culture because it's just, that's like the, that's like a bigger thing, but just like recreational outrage because mm. today that I read that people were actually like mad that John Krasinski sold his news Good news yeah, his, show. Some good news. Yeah. yeah. He got signed, right? Were they mad about it? People are getting mad that he sold it. They're like, I thought you I thought you uh, made this to like, uh, you know, make people happy and stuff. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm. People, every time you got to go online, people got to be mad about something just because, you know, they want some kind That's of… so true. Something. It's like every time a woman makes a dollar, somebody gets mad. Like everyone, can you just be happy for once for somebody? Like, what's is it going to really ruin your day that somebody gets something nice for a change like it's just and let's be real he was doing that whole thing for free out of the goodness of his heart if he can get it bought to so it can continue and knowing that the conditions aren't going to stay so if this can actually lend itself in a way that it supports the work have at it honey yeah everyone enough with the recreational outrage go for a walk go for a walk go for a walk do something I'm else very big with your on, time. Like, call in. This is new for me, but like call in culture instead of call out culture. Call out culture just like wants to knock you down. Call in wants to have a conversation. That's what I'm liking. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm here for it. All right. Well, thank you so much. I thank love you. This, this so was much. lovely. I loved it. Well, I hope that um, I hope your nice weather stays over in Canada. Oh, Lordy, me too. Me too. It's not going to snow. That's all we can hope for. All right. Well, everyone, take a listen. We we did a pod swap. So you can yeah. hear me over at the Papaya Podcast, also on Dear Media. And then they can find you at the… The Bird's Papaya. The Bird's Papaya on social media. The Bird's Papaya on the socials. 
All right. Well, everyone, be good to each other. Be kind to yourself. Yes. And don't sit on vinyl chairs. (laughs) Okay. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Follow along on social at Music Kills Kate and tune in next week for an all new episode. 